first, yeah, we got the potluck next week. And listen, we haven't gotten together since COVID. So uh, we're going to everybody say amen to that. Amen. amen. You know how this church really got close? Because we ate all the time. Yeah. Amen. I remember when we first started up, man, we would eat like, it seemed like every other week. They were like, oh, we have potluck. Oh, we have potluck. Oh, we have potluck. And it's like, man, we, I'm gaining weight. And, and uh, but I was out, but what God did, he, he formed our love that way. I mean, think about it. Jesus, when he met someone, he would say, hey, I'm going to come to your house and eat. And so that's how we got so close. So I thank God for uh, folks who can cook. So next week, Everybody be here. Everybody say amen. amen. We got uh, people still out. We got people quarantined. We got people out of town. So, Lord, we pray that you bless them in Jesus' name. And so another, another thing we got, we have these families that we've adopted. We got seven families with kids, and, and we wanted to adopt them for, for the holiday, for Christmas. So uh, get in touch with Chris uh, Greider when, when, when church is out. She'll give you more details, but we got age groups of kids. It's probably like 14 of them or something like that. And we really want to make a difference. Everybody say amen to that. So adopt your kid, adopt the kid, and let's, let's take care of these families who, uh, who won't have anything this, this year. Now, you guys know, uh, I think Christmas, you know how I feel about Christmas and what we've done to it. But yet and still, I, I just don't want to see a kid go without so Let's adopt some kids. Everybody say amen. All right. Now, let me tell you something. I was thinking while I was watching Michigan stump Ohio State. It was such a glorious day. <laughs> now, I wasn't thinking about this then. I was just thinking about Michigan stumping Ohio State. But, but all week long, actually, I was pondering. And you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about Satan. It's amazing how we don't, people don't really teach about the devil anymore. We don't even preach it because church has become um, a place where we come to learn how to live the best life we can live and, and how we can be blessed and how we can be prosperous and how we can. But man, I can remember back in the old day, back in the Pentecostal day, they were scared of Jesus out of us talking about Satan all the time. I mean, you would think Satan was in your car, in your closet in your shower. I mean, they were, they were just, it's like every sermon was like, oh, and beware of Satan, and Satan's trying to get you. And, I'm, and so I think there's a happy medium. This, see, Satan is not, he's not all powerful. This is one thing I love about Jesus. Jesus says, I saw, he told the disciples, I saw Satan when he fall. I'm so strong, I didn't even have to fight him. We sent somebody else to do He said, I saw him fall to the ground. See, see, Satan, he, he's not one to be feared, but he is one that you must be careful with. Let me tell you the thing that Satan uses nowadays. He uses uh, this thought, I don't exist. Do you know that people are, are packing into churches and, and the presence of God isn't there? And, and so Satan, one of Satan's biggest ploys it's, it's trying to convince everybody something. I don't exist. I'm not bothering you. I'm not affecting your life. And then here's another thing. Some people think that they can make it without church now. They're totally comfortable missing weeks and weeks of church. And, and, 
and, and, and this is the thought. The thought is, well, because I'm good, because, you know, I, I got a great relationship with God. And, all. and you know what Satan's biggest issue was? It was pride. And that sounds very prideful, doesn't it? You ain't got to amen that. It's true. So it's like, man, we get to this place where we, where Satan, we don't think Satan's involved, and we, we don't think that he's affecting us. He, we don't, he's not affecting our mind. He's not affecting our lives. He's not affecting our families. It's just kind of life. And, 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 I, and I'm thinking, man, he's so formidable because God made him that way. See, God did not create evil. He only created good. That's what the Bible says. But some kind of way the good got corrupted. Now, in Satan's heart at the beginning, I'm going to give you a quick history of Satan. In his heart at the beginning, no one knows why he really went bad. They, 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 have, they have thoughts of why, like it was his pride and things like that. But they, no one really knows where the, where the evil came from. Because if God created him perfect, where did the evil come from? So if you look at all the theological thoughts about this thing, nobody can really explain how where did that evil come in Satan's heart when God made him perfect? There's three angels that were talked that constantly were talked about. You got Gabriel, who was the messenger angel, right? Every time something God needed to be said from heaven, he would always send Gabriel. Gabriel was like the, the, the communications guy. And then, and then he had Michael. Michael was the warrior. Remember, Gabriel went to Daniel and, and, and told Daniel, listen, you prayed, and I heard you when you prayed. God heard you, and I came but I couldn't get through. So we had to call Daniel. I mean, Michael. Michael came and straightened this all out. Michael was the one who threw Satan down from heaven. And then there's another third. There's a third cherub or angel that is very close to God. And it is Lucifer. Lucifer was the God of light. The light bearer is what Lucifer means. See, he wasn't Satan up there. His name was Lucifer up there. And he was very impressive. In fact, he was more impressive than the other two. And God made him perfect. God anointed him, which we'll read in a minute. God gave him all these talents. He was, he, Lucifer was the, he was the flamboyant one. He was the one that was into arts and music. And See, he, he, he was a different kind of angel. He was the most beautiful, the most perfect. And so here's the thing with God. Once God gives you something, he never takes it back. So why is Satan still so powerful? Because God never took it from him. God just binds him. You know, I'm doing my theological thinking today. He, he, he binds Satan. Jesus binds Satan. He didn't, that's why the Bible says, I mean, Bible, people go, well, why doesn't God just destroy Satan? Well, because Satan's perfect. He was perfect. He was made perfect. He's very formidable. And so God says, it's not time for me to destroy him, but I will bind him. Remember when Jesus told, turned around and told Peter after Peter said he was not going to die on the cross? He says, get thee behind me, Satan. You can't, I can't throw you away. I can't destroy you, but you got to get behind me. So I'm trying to explain this to them and they're not getting it. So get out the way so they can hear it. Say, remember, he also told them, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. But don't worry, I pray for you. Jesus talked about Satan a lot. The Bible says the Satan came to kill, still destroy. Kill what? Everything you love and everything you care about. Still what? Everything that God has for you. 
and everything you've accomplished to this point, and then destroy what? Your relationship with God. And then he was, he's so good that he, he got a third of heaven to go with him. So now you got these outer work angels, and they're called demons. You know what a demon is? It's an angel that's out of work. He's got no job anymore because angels have jobs. And so now he, this third got thrown out with him. He was so slick, he convinced a third of them that were in the presence of God to turn on God. What chance do you have? But he comes differently with us. He comes like this. He comes with this. I'm not messing with you. I'm not involved with your family. I'm not involved with your thought process. I'm not involved. And then what happens is we don't believe he's involved, and then we drift further and further away from God. And here's the crazy part. We don't even realize we're doing it. We become more comfortable sitting at home just week after week. We become more comfortable not reading the word. We become more comfortable not listening to the word. We become more comfortable just sucking in the world so much, always scrolling your phone, always listening to secular music. And, and, and it's like nothing wrong with that, but I'm saying we get so comfortable it becomes natural to us. And we look up and you haven't prayed in a week and a half. And then Satan is like, I'm not doing anything. You know that whole thing, the devil made me do it? The devil don't want you to think he's making you do it. He wants you to think that it's just life because he's so persuasive, so talented. Why do you think, why do you think Hollywood and the music in- industry is so corrupt? Because that's what, that's what Satan brought to heaven when he was Lucifer, when he was the light bearer. So my thought went to, why does he hate God and us so much? One, because he knows scripture. Everybody say amen. It's this scripture that Satan hates. He just hates some scripture, and we'll get into that later. But, but there's three main reasons why Satan hates God. Three reasons. The first one is he hates God because God is everything he's not. See, God is always referred to as good, and Satan is referred to as the evil one. Everybody say amen to that. You know what I realized? The Mormons believe that Satan and Jesus were brothers. I go, Mormons, you got it wrong because Satan was created. Jesus always was. Everybody say amen. So they're not brothers. They're not equals on, 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 on two sides of the coin. They're not... They're not brothers. Satan was this cherub that was very close to God. He was a guardian angel. And I thought about that because cherubs were guardian angels. And I went, God don't need no garden. Not garden outside, but guarding. God, that was ghetto the way I said that. God, God doesn't need anybody to guard him. You know what the cherubs are actually guarding? They're guarding you. Because God's glorious. Hallelujah, son. His glory is so much that no other chairs were covering with wings. They were trying to tame his glory down from destroying you. God doesn't need any angels to guard him. His glory is so great that the cherubs are guarding everything else from God's glory or it won't be nothing. So Satan was one of those. Lucifer was one of those guys. Lucifer is on. 
three angels are mentioned by name in Lucifer's one. Think about at the, at the creation, God introduced us to Adam, Eve, and who else? Satan. Do you hear preaching in church anymore about the devil? No. Because either, either back in the day we made him too spooky, or now we just think that no, it's just, it's just not him. And then we just want to teach you self-help. Because that's what packs in churches. I want you to live the best life. We sell books on live the greatest life in God. And I'm here to tell you, your life might not be great in God. As Paul, as Peter, we can go down the list. Let me read some Bible so you'll think I know what I'm talking about. Second Thessalonians, I think. Three? Yes. All right. So one of the reasons why he hates God is because he's not what God is. God is good. Satan is not. Second Thessalonians 3, go. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. He says, listen, pray that the Lord's teaching will continue to spread quickly. You have to pray that the Lord's teaching will continue to spread quickly. A lot of people aren't receiving Christ through you because you're not praying enough. Praying for them. My mom, man, and my mom totally set me up, totally set me up. And my mom would, would pray, and my, she would, I would come home, and she'd be standing in my room, and I'd be like, what are you doing in my room? Oh, nothing, I just bought the underwear. No, you weren't. You wouldn't bring my underwear here. My mom was praying in my room constantly. It, it would be times when I would touch stuff, and it would be oily. What's this oil? My mom's putting oil in the... <laughs> <laughs> It would be times my mom would come up and put her hand on my shoulder and won't say nothing. She's praying. And it's amazing how she developed two sons that do the same thing. It does, don't it? So what I'm saying is it says, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread quickly, especially now because time is really wrapping up, I believe. And, and spread rapidly and be honored just as it was within you. So these people that you have in mind who you want to know God, and I might not finish this today. Are you really praying for them with everything that you have like somebody prayed for you? See, you have to pray that the scales fall from their eyes. You have to pray that the light enters into their darkness. You have to pray that the knowledge of God begins to seep through their heart. You have to pray that the fallow ground breaks up so seed can get planted. You have to pray Hallelujah. That, that the word of God will enter into them, because he that has an ear, let him hear. You have to pray for them, people. Why aren't your family just running into Christ in groves? How come your people you work with every day still don't know God? How come your neighbor who you talk to all the time about grass, and how come they don't know? See, because maybe we're not praying enough. That's not my message today, but it says pray that it will spread quickly. Come on. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. And then we pray that, switch my board. Pray that we be de delivered from the wicked, evil people, because everybody out here don't love God. And you know what's scary about that? He's talking about people who go to church, too. Well, you guys said amen really quick. I got nervous. I thought you would think I was crazy. 
See, because everybody who, who flies a flag of denominational thought, and think about this, think about this, think about this, since we're talking about the devil. The devil hears something. He heard this. He heard Jesus say, you will know that my, you are my disciples if you, love, if you have love for the brethren. You know what Satan did with that? He goes, okay, if I can stop them from having love for the brethren, then they won't know him. And if I can, if I can, if Satan heard a house divided cannot stand. So Satan went, oh man. So that means if I can divide the house, they will struggle and they will only have crystallization thoughts of God. They, they won't have the totality of God. They only have pieces. So if I can split them off into factions. And now people will go, oh, oh I'm evangelical. We're <coughs> non-denominational. We've made non-denominational denomination. Because non-denominationals or evangelicals think they got it all, think we're better. So he says, if I can split them off into being Catholic, split them off into being Baptist, split them off into being Presbyterian, split them off. Look how many splinter factions of Christianity it is. You think that the devil didn't? There's not all these splinter factions in Buddhism. Let me tell you something. In the Muslim faith, it's not all these fractions, these, these, these pieces of or, or other thoughts of it. Only in Christianity. Why? Because the devil is only threatened by Christianity. That's why some of you were Catholic, some of you were Baptist, some of you were... And now we're all here. And I never told you to stop being anything. I just tell you to love God. Be a believer. Hallelujah, somebody. That's not my message either. Would Keenan, would you stay on track? <laughs> and pray that we may be delivered from the wicked one and the wicked people. Next verse. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. But see, one. the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you, and he will protect you from the evil one. See, there's an evil one. Satan hates God because he's always re referred to as good. And Satan's always referred to as evil. Because some kind of way the good in Satan and Lucifer got corrupt. So Lucifer is still very wise. Lucifer is still very talented. He's still very persuasive. God didn't take that from him. It's just corrupted. So God has to bind him and protect you and give you the things that you need to protect yourself. Because why? He comes to kill everything that you love, everything you care about, steal everything that God has planned for you and everything you've accomplished to this point, and destroy your relationship with God. And this is how he's doing it nowadays. I'm not doing anything. Think about it. We, we do this. Oh, it's a little rainy outside. I think I'll stay home today. But I'm going to work Monday. We, we do stuff like this. Well, we missed last week. We missed the week after, before that. We missed it. But, but we're, and we're, we're, I'm going to go this week. See, we, see, we got to remember, we have to, I've taught you guys about the drift. When you begin to drift away from, from the Lord. And then you look up, man, and your life looks so much like the world. And, and the words of God aren't coming out your mouth as much. Your thoughts about God aren't coming as much. It's just, it's a slow process. It's a drift. It's a bottle in the ocean. It's not a drastic thing. It's, it's a slow thing. 
Satan's too smart. He, he says, I'm not going to make you be able to rob a bank. But I can allow you to begin to drift away from God so far that I can kill you. Three reasons now. Go to 1 John chapter 5. First reason is because he's evil and God's not and he can't stand it. 1 John 5, 18. We know that those who have been made God are God's children. Do not continue to sin. Everybody see that? Here's the beauty about continuing to sin. God will forgive you for sin. But, and, and ask for forgiveness, but also ask for the power to repent. Because repentance and forgiveness is two different things. You guys know that. So my thing is, while you saying forgive me, God, also say, Lord, give me the power to repent from this. Meaning, to change my mind about this, to turn away from this thing. Everybody say amen now. Chris, come on. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm and them. And because you're born of God, now God keeps you safe, and you can't be crushed by the evil one but you can't give him room the bible says don't give room to the devil what is room to the to the devil well that's when you feel the rumble in your house you feel the aggravation you sense it very strong and you don't stop it that's when you that's when you do the silent treatment to your husband for three weeks that's when you ignore your wife purposely don't want to say nothing to her See, what you're doing, you're giving room to the devil to do what? To enter in and make it worse. That's when you see things in your kids, you don't correct it. You're giving room to the devil. You're, you're inviting him in. Hallelujah, somebody. You guys are quiet. You listening? You're inviting him into your world. That's when you have more conversation with the woman at work than you do your wife. That's when you... Have two, that's when you keep going to lunch with the guy who's not your husband. See, we're giving room, hallelujah, somebody. And, and you can't give him room. He, he's too good. He's too formidable. And the Bible says that God will keep you safe from the evil one. He won't let him harm you, but you have something to do too. You have to put on the whole armor of God. Everybody say amen. Why? Because those darts that are coming at you, if you got your shield up, you can deflect something. The Bible also speaks about resisting. You have to resist him now. You know what I realized? It's just that initial, no, I'm not doing that. See, see, when, when something comes your way, you know it's not the right thing to do. If you just go, no, I'm not doing it. It's the resisting, and then it, it leaves your mind. But when you go, I know I shouldn't, but that's like that's like your children caught caught eating cookies before. How many cookies did you take? You know you weren't supposed to take those cookies. And what they do is mouth crummy, cookies in their hand. What did Paul say? I, I, I want to do right, but evil is always present. You know, and and, and it's like we doing all these cookies. You know you weren't supposed to. I know it's that initial you didn't resist. All you had to do was say, I'm not touching these cookies. Now, if we beat our kids some now, it, it would probably be better. We don't beat our kids anymore. 
So here's God saying, beat your kids. And here's the world going, no, don't beat your kids. Whose advice you going to take? God is saying, if you spare the rod now, you're going to create a monster, and we got to deal with it. I look at bullies in school. I can't stand little bullies. Man, I always tell our kids, if somebody's bullying you, it's going to be a mad, angry black pastor up at your school. I remember I was doing Watchdog up there when Julian was in Weston, and, I, you know, they had bought the fathers in. We were there. And his kids kept coming up to me going, this kid, he bullies everybody. And I went over to that kid, and I'm like, what are you doing, you little punk? And he's looking up at me. I'm like, you see these kids? If you keep bothering them, what time you get out, 320? I'm going to be waiting on you. And he's looking at me. And I'm, I'm black, too. And he's looking at me. And then, I, and then I got word. The, uh, the, the, the ladies that control the yard, the next time I came up there, they went, what did you say to him? He's been so great. <laughs> I was like, I just had a talk with him. I just said, <laughs> I said I'm going to beat his little butt. Everybody say amen to that. So here it is, Satan is the evil one, and he hates God. He hates God because he's created, he's, thought of as evil and God is good he he hates God a second reason because God is light and he is darkness you know what darkness is darkness in the Hebrew it means ignorance it see Bible says that God has reserved a place for him in chains and that place is called darkness so when God binds up Satan because Satan is too strong and he didn't destroy him but he bound him and you know what he did? He put him in something. He said, you can only function in ignorance. So you know what Satan does? He, he, he tries to make us ignorant. He, everywhere you're dark, everywhere you're ignorant in, he's allowed to function there. Meaning if you don't know that God heals, he can function in your, your sickness. If you don't know that God can save your family, he can function in that. If you don't know that God can keep you from certain things, Satan can function. See, it's like going down the road and the speed limit is only 55 and you're doing 70. And the cop pulls you over and you go, there's no, there's no, there was no signs that said 70, 55. And he's, what is the cop going to say? So you're getting a ticket anyway. See, because you don't know, the Bible says my people die for what? Because they don't know. So Satan is allowed to function in your stupidness. That's the only place God says you can function. And, then, and, and, and so the, he, he's, he's darkness where God is, God is the light or he is the information. That's why Jesus always said, he that has an ear, let him hear what I'm talking about. Because Satan functions in our, in our ignorance. That, that Lucifer was the light bearer and then God threw him out. And now he's upset because he doesn't have a, he was, he was really a good looking dude. The Bible says he had rubies and, and, and emeralds. All. He, it said that he was so glorious looking, his wings were so perfect. And now he's darkness. Now he's, 
He's in the dark now. He hates God because of that. Acts chapter 26, really quick. Acts 26, 15. Here's the road to Damascus. Here's Jesus. And here's Paul. Acts 26, 15. Come on. Then I asked, <clears throat> who are you, Lord? I am and Jesus. Here's Paul saying, Paul got knocked to the ground. He looks up and he goes, who are you, Lord? Meaning, I know you're somebody, but who are you? And Jesus just simply goes, I'm the one you, you're being cruel to. I'm the one who you're persecuting. I'm the one who you're, you're badgering me. You're, you're against me, right? Next verse. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen. I love this. So this is what Jesus happens when he enters into your life. The first thing he says is get up. You got to get up, man. You get, when God comes into your life, when Christ comes to your life, you have to get up. And here's the problem. He, he says, get up, and I'm going to make you a servant, and you will witness to the people about me. We've turned it in church into get up, and then God will bless your life totally. Get up, and God will bless you with money. Get up, God will bless your ugly self with a husband. Get up, God will bless your funny-looking butt with a wife. Get up. And your kids who are bad will just turn good. That's what we've turned this into. And here's Jesus himself witnessing to a man, telling him to get up. I need you to witness for me. That's why he's got you all up. He didn't just get you up to, to just bless your life. And trust me, Christ wants to bless your life. God wants to bless your life. He does. God, he has great things planned for you. But you know what he's got planned for you? What you need. And so sometimes what you need doesn't look like you need it at the beginning. It's like your kid taking medicine. Here, drink this. This is what you need. J Julian always does it like a shot glass. He just looks at it for a second. Oh. And then it's like, ah, ooh, ah. Come on, dude, it's what you need. I know it don't taste good. See, God is the same way. God gives us stuff that it doesn't taste good, but it's what you need. It's what you need. He says, I'll turn your darkness into light. I will get beauty out of ashes. I will make sure all things work together for your good. See, that's the Bible. He says, I'm getting you up so you can tell everybody about me. That's not my message, but that's a good one. That was free. Come on. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. He says, don't worry about your people because they're funny acting and they're crazy too. I'm going to protect you from that. And don't worry about the people you're going to. I'm, I'm blessing you to open their eyes because they have to turn from darkness to the light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by me in faith. He's saying, listen, Satan gets mad because he is the darkness now. He can only function in the ignorance. He, he's not like God at all anymore. He was, he was so close to God. He was in God's inner circle. He was one of his best cherubs. And now he's this thing. Can you see the remorse and the animosity he has with God? He's also got it with you. 
Know why? Because you look like them. Know why? Because you worship them. Know why? Because you pray to him. He hates you. Jesus says Satan hates you. He wants to cut you off from the source. Here's the thing. He's not sending lightning bolts and he's not sending a man to come to you and his head spins around. He's not having anybody throw up on you with green vomit like the exorcism. He's not causing beds to levitate and all that stuff you see on Halloween. He's doing it this way. I don't exist. I don't exist. I don't exist. I'm not doing anything. I'm just a myth. I'm a legend. Do you know that most Christians don't even believe in sight? We, we've, we've, we've taught him out of the church. We've, we've, we've gotten so smart that we realize that it's not really Satan. It's just the nature of man. So, I need you to help turn them away from darkness, turn them to a light. What is that light? What is that darkness? Well, the darkness is Satan, and the light is God. That's why God hates. That's why Satan hates God so much. Third reason is Satan is full of pride, and he just really wants to be like God. So, if you think about it, here's Satan, because he's so impressive. And I can see Satan going up there, man, I look so better, much better than Gabriel. <laughs> and Michael, yeah, he's strong, and he can kick my butt, but, but I'm just so better than him. See, God created him perfect, so I go, God, where did the evil, where did the, where did the evil come from? And, and I, nobody can really explain it. But what I can say is the evil latched hold to something. It latched hold to his pride. Then he began to think something. You know what? I just need to be the main guy. Isaiah 14, 12. He decides to be worshipped like God. So here he is, Isaiah 14. This is what this is what has happened to him. Come on. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You have once you who, who once laid low you. the nations. He's saying, listen, you have fallen from heaven, <clears throat> you bright morning star. You, you're the sun of the dawn. See, you were the light carrier. You, you were the bearer of light. You were the one who led worship in heaven. You, you were so close to God. Be careful of pride, people. Let me tell you something. Everybody who aspires to be up here that I know of when I was in college, Everybody wants, oh, I want to be a pastor. I want to be a pastor. I guarantee you, we go back and do that poll, they're not pastors. You guys know, I was going pretty good with my life before this. I didn't want this. It's like, it's like man, it's people who, who love this microphone, you better be careful. Because you know what pride, you know what God does? He allows pride to destroy you. Your pride will destroy you. That's another message for another time. Next verse. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. See, I you didn't say it out loud, but you said in your heart, see, because that's where everything starts. 
He said, disciples didn't wash their hands, and they went, why aren't the disciples washing their hands? And, the, and then Jesus went, it's not what goes in that defiles, it's what comes out. The Bible says that, that, that God ponders the heart because that's where the real truth comes from. Now, he says, you honor me with your lips, but your, your, your heart is far from me, though. So he's saying, listen, in your heart, you said, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit and throne on the mount of assembly on the uttermost heights of the mountain. That will be me now. The place of God in the literal text is Eden. That's why the garden was named Eden, because Eden means where God sits. And then the mountain was also where God dwelled. He said, I'm going to be higher than you. I want to sit. He would look at God's glory and go, I, wanna, I, I think I should be the God. And he convinced some angels to follow him when they're in the glory of God. When they're looking at God all the time and, and, and when they're fighting to look at God because the cherubs are trying to block some of his glory. That's why they got all these wings. They're trying to hold God's glory back because if God's glory really swept across the earth, there would be no earth. He's not guarding God. He's guarding us. When you were one of these in the inner circle and now, man, have you fallen. Next verse. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. I'm going to be like the most high. See, he hates God because he doesn't like God standing. He thought he should be. The creator is not. He thought that the created was better than who created him. Next verse. That's it. So that's it. Go, go to Ezekiel 28 then. So here it is. He's going, listen, I want to be like the most high. Why does, why does he hate God? He, he, he's jealous of him. He, he admires him. He, he wants to be like him. He wants to, see, Satan wants us to worship him. And I hate to say it, a lot of us do. Because out there matters so much to us. Because you would give your right arm for your boss, but you won't give 10 minutes to get. See, what does Satan control? The systems of this world. See, because you can't be, oh, I'm getting too deep. You know why Satan went into the serpent? Because God made a rule. You can't be on earth without a body. That's why, that's why demons or unemployed angels try to do what? They try to enter into people because you can't function down here without a body. You'll be breaking the law. God gave the body. He blew the spirit into the body. He put the soul into the body, and then the body can function down here. God says you have to have a body to function, so demons go, well, let me possess something. Why do you think when he cast out the demons, they went into the pigs? They got to possess something or they can't function down here. They're unemployed. All right. So here it is. He's trying to get us to realize something. That the systems of this world is what protects us. We saw this with the political climate over the last eight years. 
He's trying to get you so caught up into CNN, Fox News. Because, you know, Satan controls the entertainment. You can go down a list of people, stars, and some of it is propaganda, but some of it is true, who, who have a devotion to Satan. See, he dabbles in that arena. That's why you see music people have so much stuff going on. He, that, see, that's what Satan's department. So he's, he, 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 he dabbles in that area. He's very talented. Talented musician, talented poet. Hallelujah, somebody. Scaring the life out of you. Ezekiel 28, 1. Come on. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, say to the ruler of Tyre, this is what the sovereign Lord says. In the pride of your heart, you say, I am a God. I sit on the throne of a God in the heart of the seas. Now, here's the word of the Lord coming to this man, coming to Ezekiel, and he's saying, listen, go tell the ruler of Tyre, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is pride. That is your problem. You're saying that you are God. You should sit on the throne. But you are a mere mortal and not a God. Though you think you are as wise as he is. Right? He's talking, he's saying, go to the, the king, the ruler of Tyre, uh, and, 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 and tell him this. Verse 11, drop down to 11. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, he said, son of man, sing this sad song about the king of Tyre. Say to him, this is what the Lord God says. You were a perfect man, so full of wisdom, so perfectly handsome. What's happening is God starts off talking about one person, then he drifts into talking about the devil. He starts off with, go tell the king this, because the king was very arrogant. But he's saying the only thing he's acting like is the devil, though. He's doing like Satan did, or even worse than that, he's doing like Lucifer did. Because Lucifer means light bearer, or bearer of the light. Next verse. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. He says, listen, the king of Tyre, Tyre wasn't in Eden. And he didn't have all this... He says, you were in Eden. Now, if you look at Eden, I'm a, I'm a, I need to be careful. I don't know if I should go here. I'm not necessarily thinking he's talking about just the garden that he put Adam and Eve in. Eden actually means you were in the presence of God. You were, you were where God sits. You were where God dwells. That's why Eden was called Eden, because that's where God dwells. So he's saying, listen, you were adorned in these precious jewels. You were the best. Your, set, your settings and mountains were made of gold. You were created, you, you were so perfectly created on the, the, the day I made you, you were so perfect. See, this is God still a little salty about Satan. So he's seeing this king and going, man, you remind me of somebody. What verse is that? 13? Go to 14. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. See, you were one of my chosen cherubs to spread your wings over my throne. Guarding God? No. Guarding everything else. Come on. 
For so I ordained you. Now, ordained means I chose you or I proclaimed you or I put this upon you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. He's going, Satan, man, you were really somebody. I created you too good, probably. See, he starts off talking about a king, but he goes, you know what, king, you remind me of somebody. And then he drifts into this, this, this Satan thing. Come on. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. He says, listen, you were, you were blameless. You, you had no sense of dishonesty in you when I created you. But then the good became evil, and no one knows why. I mean, you can say that because he thought he was better than God and all that. But here's my rebuttal to that. But I know. But how did he get his mind to even think that if there's no evil? So no theologian can really explain why something that good turned evil. So here it is. God is saying, man, I created you perfect. You were blameless or you had no faults. You had no lie in you. And then wickedness was found inside of you. That's where witness starts. Everybody say amen. Come on, almost done. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the Mount of he God. He says, then you, 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 your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you, you caused this third of heaven to revolt against me. You, call, you, struck, you, you spurred up the, the violence in them to, to dare to attack me. And Jesus is going, I love Jesus. Jesus is going, I saw him fall. I ain't had anything to do with it. I didn't, it was light work for me. Jesus goes, you know what? Michael threw him out of heaven, but I just got him to lead me by speaking the word. And it says, listen, so I drove you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you. Now you lost your place. And take these little punks with you. So now you guys are unemployed too. So now you're a demon. Everybody say amen now. Come on. I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. He says, well, listen, you thought you were so much, and you were so beautiful. I made you so great, and you, it really went to your head. So I threw you out, threw you down to the ground, and now kings just stare at you. You've lost your place. Now I've bound you in this place called ignorance. And that's the only place you can function now. But let me tell you something. That's very dangerous. So when people say, I don't need to go to church, I don't, trust me, it's hard to find a church. I'm going to be honest. But what I always say is, but here's the thing. You got to be careful because what will happen, pride will begin to set in. And then you'll begin to make your own conceptions about God, your own thoughts about God, your own answers about God on your own, which is very dangerous. And then you won't ever get corrected, and, you, and truth won't ever come into you. Why? Because does it mean that some preacher knows everything? He's, no, it doesn't mean that. But it does mean that God has a thing of order, and how and God thought this, he, 
He uses the stupidness of preaching to get people to have faith. Because faith comes by. So if you're not hearing anything, you won't develop faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because you won't even believe that he is. And that's Satan's whole plan to get you to realize something. You don't need him. You don't need God. And, and Satan is not involved. I'm not involved. I'm over here. I ain't doing anything. He's the one on the playground going, and he was just talking about your mother. You're going to take that? And then something come. I didn't do anything. I didn't say nothing. He's the co-worker that starts up all the trouble but never gets in trouble because they never get caught. He's so slick. He's so formidable. And he's so persuasive that you look up, man, and you, and I haven't prayed in days. I haven't even, I don't even know where my Bible is. I used to pray in the car, and now I don't pray in the car. I listen to When trouble came my way, the words of God used to come out. Now I just cuss. You know what? We used to talk things out. When, we, when the trouble in the house comes up, we would kind of work ourselves through. We would, we, would ask, we would invite God in to help us cause peace and not give room. But now we just give room. And I just get mad and he gets mad. And Now I'm totally comfortable around people I shouldn't really be around. I know I shouldn't be around. Now I'm drinking a little bit too much. Or not, See? And then Satan's over in the corner going, I'm not doing anything. And we go, no, it's not the devil, because, you know, I don't really believe in all that devil stuff. It's just life. Life is just going. And Satan is just laughing, because he's coming to kill, steal, destroy. Because he hates God, and he hates you, because you look like him. And you pray to him. And God knows your name. And Jesus died for you. He hates you. He hates God because he wants to be like God because God is good and he is darkness. He hates God because, you know what, God created him and God can just flick his fingers and there will be no more Satan. Satan knows that. But he hates you because God loves you. He hates you because Jesus died for you. He hates you because you know him. He hates you because you prayed to him. He hates you because you don't worship Satan, you worship God. Come on up. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm like, man, God, why are you talking to me about the devil? I'm not, I don't really get scared. I'm not really worried about the devil. And, 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 and God says, okay, Kenny, so why not? Where you think you're, you, you, you think you're too strong now? You, 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 you think you know too much now? You, you kind of sound like him a little bit. Don't, don't, don't give that off to me. You know what? You got to realize something. He desires to kill you. He desires to kill your family. He's tried. He wants to kill my brother. He wants to kill me. He wants to shut us up. Okay, 
but he wants to kill you. He can't stand you. And his little unemployed angels hate you too. And they're going to do everything they can. To, see, because Satan is not going to be in charge of hell sitting on a throne with a pitchfork. He's going to be burning like everybody else in the lake. And so here's the deal. He's, he has no way to repent, and you do. So he hates you. See, Satan can't repent. You can. Jesus didn't die for Satan. He died for you. So therefore, Satan goes, ugh, look at me now. I used to be so bright. Now my wings are singed, and all my jewels are gone, and I'm not beautiful no more. See, because on his way down, he just got uglier and uglier and uglier. He went from glorious to ugly, ugly, ugly. Jesus says, I saw him falling. Wings just perfect, now they're all singed. Beauty, now he's all ugly. But in his ability to be an expert in trickery, he can appear beautiful to you. Because God didn't take away his power. He just bound it. That's why Satan still functions. That's why Satan still bothers you. Your father. And I hate your father, so I hate you too. Now I close. Make the mistake of acting like he's not involved. You have to be able to spot him in the corner of your house, on your job, when you're out on the street. Here's even deeper. You have to begin to spot him in your thoughts, in what you say, in what you're thinking. You got to begin to spot him into what you want to do and what you don't want to do. You got to be able to spot him when you're comfortable not being around the people of God. Not comfortable not being around. When you go weeks upon weeks thinking, oh, I'm okay. I, I know who God is. I love God. You know, me and God are tight. And then Satan's got a little rope to you just slowly pulling you. And you can't even feel it because it's so slow. He's slowly causing you to drift away from God. And you look up and you go, how did I get here? Well, you drifted. And now you're fair game. It says he goes around like a roaring lion seeking, who he, a lion, seeking who he may devour. So how does lions hunt? They look for the weakest ones. If the herd is out there, they're going to look for the old, the young, the sickly, or the ones who get isolated. That's how. So you can stay out the fold if you want. You can stay out the corral if you want. You can stay out the presence of God's people if you want, because you know you're saved and you know everything. You'll be okay for a few months. And then I'm telling you, you, you listen, I know people right now, I talked to somebody the other day, who went, I wish I could come back to church. Why can't you? Oh, I know why. Because we haven't seen you since COVID, and now your pride is set in. You think that we're going to look at you funny if you come back? No, see, you drifted too far. You, you, you won't come back. I pray you find somewhere else because, see, because now it's pride. If you do come back, all we're going to do is say, hey, 
hug you, let you sit down. But your pride is telling you you can't make it back. So Satan's winning. So, Father, we give you glory and praise. Keep us from the evil one. But teach us how to deal with him. And our glory will be yours. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Come on, let's take communion. Come on.